Welcome to the Monkey Business Show. From cash flow to crypto, all the things you need to know. Nice. Wow. I'm Aaron Hodges. That's Eric Salzman and Richie Bennett. And that's our new tagline. Whoa. For now. Right. We have to market test it. Mm-hmm. See what the monkeys think. That's right. <laughs> Is that what our fans will be called? The monkeys? Yeah, for yeah. sure. You knocked off too. You got a tagline, and you named the and you named our listeners. I I can see the merchandise flowing now. <laughs> <laughs> We're on a roll here, folks. We are on a roll. This is a Moonstock show, so get on board right now. We're going to the moon today. We're going to be talking about weed. Why didn't you tell me when to this shit, man? We could have been hanging out months ago. <laughs> and the supply chain for cannabis companies now that. Marijuana is going to be legalized in many, many states and hopefully at least decriminalized federally pretty soon. It's going to be big, big business. We're going to be joined by Zach Pace later, who owns a company who's working on that infrastructure. I have to point out that Eric is wearing a Texas Longhorns hat and you've got some feelings on Texas right now. Yeah, I I was on a uh, conference call for work and I had the Bloomberg up. And uh, I didn't, yeah, I was on, I wasn't on mute because I didn't think, you know, anything would happen. And I see the news come across that Governor Abbott, you know, opens businesses 100% and is, and is removing the, the mask order. And I just let out an audible, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just terrible. It's like, I mean, people just in the last couple of days since he's done it, he talked to, like, my wife just went to the doctor yesterday and, and the doctor's like, how could he do this? Like we're, we've been working nonstop. I'm we're finally at a point where maybe we're at, we're going to hit a turning point with a vaccine. And then he does this and it's like, we're just going to be, we're going to go right back to, we're going to go right back to where we were, you know, a couple months ago. Um, so I, I, apparently he pulled, uh, he went to the CPAC and I guess he put his name in the hat to see if anybody wanted him to be president in 2024. And he got a zero, like <laughs> not, not 0.20. zero point two zero zero. Point zero. And the, the feedback was that they didn't like his, his stance on masks and, um, and the virus, you know, the, the, um, his policy on uh, protecting the, uh, the citizens of Texas. And so he came, literally came back the next day, and that's when he dropped the, the ma- you know, no more masks, and every business can fill itself up to 100%. So. Has, has there been a, an update on the uh, polling? Zero point zero. He's going to wait a couple of weeks to see how this resonates with the uh, with the masses. Um, yeah, and, you know, it's not like anything other, other bad things have happened in Texas in the last couple of weeks. You know? <laughs> You're having a terrible run. Yeah, Texas is having a bad run lately. Anyway, sorry. What did President Biden call him? Ignoramus? Neanderthal. Neanderthal, that was good. The mayor and the governor of Mississippi did the same thing. So I think Biden said it's not time for Neanderthal thinking or something like that. Yeah, yeah. He was adjusting his mask upwards. I remember Biden when he said that too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Richie, you're in you're in the land of no masks ever, right? So, I mean, well, actually, like I try to con- control that a bit. Um, in Florida, the southernmost counties, Palm Beach, Broward, and Miami Dade, which had the most cases in the state, we've actually been similar to the rest of the country. So, like, since last March, there was lockdowns, there was mask required, stuff like that. Still is. Still is. So, huh. we we walk around in masks. So. 
Oh, I didn't know that. I thought Florida was just yeah. a free-for-all down there. <laughs> no. Oh, interesting. All right. Well, I mean, everybody, just stay safe out there, I guess. I'm going to get my shot in the arm today. That's why we started yeah. recording earlier. Um, it's it's basically the Hunger Games down here. <laughs> it's like, just, just get it if you can and just stomp over whoever you have to stomp over to get it. Yeah. All right. We'll get into the main topic in just a little bit, but I wanted to play some audio that we didn't get to last week. This was Fed Chairman Jerome Powell being asked if he sees the potential for a bubble coming. On asset bubbles, I won't... Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, President Bullard's comments about his belief that he doesn't see any potential risk of bubbles. Do you share that view? I wouldn't comment on, on uh, you know, one, one of my colleagues said. Um, so I, I guess what I would say is this. We look at uh, a really broad range of things when we talk about financial stability. We've got how much leverage is there in the banking system, households, uh, non-financial corporates, we look at funding risks and we look at asset prices. The thing we always get asked about is asset prices, but they're only one, one thing. Ultimately, what you want is a situation where asset prices, where movements in asset prices do not disrupt the broader financial system. And I think we have highly capitalized banks and we've done a lot to, to shore up the parts of the financial system that, that didn't hold up during the, the prior crisis. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't comment on any particular uh, on bubbles. You know, we're, we're not, we're not, no one can really identify them there, you know, for any particular asset, even now, you know, people have different perspectives, for example, in the equity market, there's some who say there's a bubble. Others say, if you look at it this way, there's a lot of, I mean, I, I, we don't have an opinion. I don't have an opinion on that for this purpose. So for me, listening to that, it was kind of like what he didn't say more than what he did say. It's funny. I, I'm pulling up. Remember last week we talked about clubhouse media, the the stock that went up because they thought there it was a, it was Elon Musk's um, app, the clubhouse app. Yep. Tell Jerome that thing is still at seventeen dollars a share. <laughs> like it hasn't got. Like it went from a buck to twenty seven, and then people still know that it is. Or maybe they don't don't know that it has nothing to do with that app, and it's still at seventeen dollars. So yeah, the. the um... Remember way back um, when the Reddit guys really became famous in the beginning of the pandemic, it was Hertz, the rental car company that went bust and the stock, they went bankrupt and the stock dropped to like 50 cents or 75 cents. And these guys ended up bidding it up to like five bucks. It, it's a bankrupt company. So I saw yesterday where, you know, and it, and it did the same thing. Like Hertz, it was the right, they knew what they were buying. It was the right company that they wanted. Um, Hertz just announced their restructuring program and the stockholders of the old Hertz will get zero. So look for that clubhouse stock, which is not affiliated with Elon Musk to go from 17 to zero or whatever eventually. <laughs> Just a tip for those who are buying. I mean, so these are all larger signs of a bubble? I mean, specific stocks, you know. Yeah. If you, if you play, uh, I mean, we, we've been in one bubble or another for the last, you know, gosh, certainly since 2008 but or 2009, but I mean, it's, yeah, we were, we we've had inflation in this country. It's just inflation of financial assets. It's financial, you know, it's it's risky risk assets. We call them. Well, they're not super safe and sound treasuries or things very close to that type of credit stocks. Um, you know, uh, 
high yield bonds, high yield loans. I mean, you name it, commodities, emerging markets, all that has been blown up, you know, dramatically as part as far as a bubble since the Fed first, re- the Fed and all the other central banks of the world really got involved. Uh, it, let's call it 2009 when they really started uh, pumping things up. So, you know, uh, maybe Powell's perspective is from last year or two years ago to now, but he really should be looking back, you know, 10 years. But be that as it may, that's, that, that's the world we live in now. And that's how, um, as an investor, you, you got to trade. You, you have to take, you just have to accept that as a, as a risk, but you also have to accept the fact that if you want to go against it, you're, you're going against, you know, a, a, a very mighty force. The um, just to interject, uh, Professor Robert Schiller, who's pretty famous, he has a couple of big indexes that people look at, one of which is the it's called the CAPE, which is a we won't get into gory details, but it it looks at stocks based on forward price earnings um, guidance. And if you look at his CAPE index, it is uh, saying that there's definitely a bubble. Like the stocks are trading way above what their earnings are projecting. And I'm guessing he's telling his clients that subscribe to his index and his newsletter or whatever that they should be selling. The other argument was um, against that CAPE for a long time was, well, interest rates are really low. So, if you look at it on that basis, stocks are not expensive. They're cheap. And that's what's driven probably the last figure 18 months. Um, that's the that's the song that people have been singing who've been buying. They're like, yeah, but interest rates are low. So these growth stocks can keep going. Right. And we're great which is a nice segue into what Eric's is going to talk about right now, because those rates are creeping up and on a percentage basis, they're flying up. If you get them being the 10 year note being below 1% at the start of the year to one and a half percent and higher now, that's a 50% jump in yields. So all these really wealthy people are going to put their money into a 10-year note rather than invest in stocks, right? Yeah, I I mean, people, like a general um, rule of thumb has been for a long time, like 60% of your money in stocks, 40% in bonds. So you, you... you get a balance, and if the stock, the idea is if stocks go down, your bond market goes up, and you're somewhat safe. But there's been a lot of arguments against that when rates were below 1%, because even if you're putting 40% in a 1% thing, what are you, what are you really making? But now that we're at one5 and we've gotten here so fast— maybe that's a bigger issue these days. So the big talk in the bond market um, and why rates have gone up so much is they call it the reflation trade, um, that inflation's coming back, you know, this easy, super easy monetary policy, plus the stimulus is going to create inflationary pressures in the, in the next, um, let's call it six months to nine months. Um, and that is why, uh, you know, that, that, that's why you're seeing a spike up in rates as people are looking at their inflation expectations. As you know, um, the 
you need to have those inflation kind of hits it, it hits it hits all assets right so for financial assets um you know inflation uh in 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 the bond market means hey yields have to be you have to make more than the rate of inflation to for for the for bond yields to make sense for you um so they talk a lot about the reflation trade and i definitely you know hopefully we, we when we come back there's going to be a lot of pent up demand and there's going to be really strong couple of of quarters um but it, we we should only hope and pray and that's that's really what the fed's been saying that we actually get real all inflation isn't bad. Um, inflation, there has to be a degree of inflation in the in, in your economy for it to grow and for people to, because you get into the whole mindset of, and then not, not we'll talk about this inflation in the sixties and the seventies, but right now it's like, hey, prices are going up. I should buy today. Um, hey, prices are going up. I can pay my workers more. Wage, your wages start going up. So the econ- that helps the economy grow. That helps the I. It should help as long as it doesn't get out of control like it did in the 60s and 70s where, yeah, whatever, whatever I'm getting paid today, a month from now, it's not going to be enough because the things I need to that things I need to buy um, are going up at a faster rate. That's what's called corrosive inflation. The inflation that they're hoping for now is really positive, good inflation that we haven't had in a long time. But this isn't about inflation, really. This is this is a very simple supply and demand issue and the within the within the bond market the treasury market and why treasury yields are going up um last month i'm sorry last week the u.s treasury auctioned off 180 billion that's with a b 180 billion uh two-year five-year and seven-year notes um 60 it was basically 60 60 and 60 over the course of three days and by the last um by the last uh, auction on Thursday, the, the seven-year auction, it was one of the worst auctions in memory, meaning that buyers didn't show up. They've, they've had enough. It's, it's basically it, there's only so many bonds people can handle, and then they're going to they're, they're gonna let the market tank a little bit before they get back in and buy. The Japanese are the biggest holder um, of U.S. Treasuries. They own about $1.25 trillion. And it's reported that they they not only didn't really show up at the auction like they're supposed to, but they they're a net seller. They've sold about thirty four billion treasuries in the last in the last few days. So this isn't about reflation. This is about the fact that we're running we're running a huge deficit spending. Um, the account, we're ready to go issue another one point nine trillion dollars of which we're going to go into the bond market and borrow. And unless the Fed comes in, and right now the Fed is buying eighty billion treasuries a month, which is tremendous. Unless the Fed increases their purchases of, of treasuries, you're going to have this supply problem out there. So um, we're not, yeah, the bond market is going up, uh, yields are going up, but not, I, I really don't buy into the reflation argument more in that this is, a, this is a supply issue. The market has had to digest a ton of supply. And, you know, for the first time, People are, are are starting to back away from it the first time in, in, in quite a, I'd say, at least a couple of years. Um, and that seven-year auction um, that happened on Thursday was just, it was a disaster. And every, every metric they measure auctions, um, it was it was terrible. So and keep, keep in mind, keep in mind, too, that um, as we're talking about yields going higher, prices are inverse to yields on bonds, right? So the prices of these bonds that people are holding 
are, to use a technical term, in the shitter, right? So like, and they're, and they're continuing to go. So if you're a person who bought tenure treasuries at 1% yield at the beginning of the year, and they're up to one and a half, you're looking at a three and a half point drop-ish on your bonds. So if you bought it at 100 cents, it's now worth 96 and a half ish, maybe 96. And that's not supposed to happen like that. You know, bonds are supposed to be stable and they don't really go up in price or down in price a ton. And you collect your coupon and you don't have to worry about it. People are starting to worry about it. Yeah. And that's what's um, so we've had and Richie will go more into it. But we, that's what's happened. As, as you know, stocks are finally getting hit a bit. Um, and a lot of them are the, the, the growth stocks, technology, if anything, there's been a great, I mean, it's been a big rotation out of, um, out of the, like we talk about growth stocks, you know, tech, um, maybe, I mean, certainly the big names like Microsoft, uh, Apple, Google, they've all been, they've all been hit, but remember that. So, so like somebody pointed out to me that Apple's down 9%, you know, since, uh, since last month, like two, the last two months, I guess the beginning of the year. And I'm like, yeah, but they're coming off being up, you know, over 100 percent. You know, I mean, it's, it's some of it is just a correction. But one thing I know that we've been calling for on the show and that, that's really working out well, um, I'm going to ask Rich if we should stay, is um, bank stocks have been just killing it. Like, So it's not like all stocks are getting clobbered. Bank stocks are just, you know, we we bought uh, Richie's, uh, Richie's old mentor, um, Billy, Di- uh, Billy D, uh, who runs um, PNC Bank. Those guys, that, that, that stock has just been flying. I think we bought that in the 140s. It's about 175 now, if I think. So all the big banks, J.P. Morgan, um, even that, the, um, that regional bank I was talking about a while ago, Prosperity Bank down here, has been doing really well because there's, there's mergers going on, you know, people looking to acquire other banks. So, Do you see that trend continuing? I don't know. What do you think, Richie? I'm, I'm yeah, I, I think so. I think it is. I think there's going to be a lot of consolidation, too, like mergers and stuff. I think these banks, um, and I'll – touch on that in a second um but i think there's some good candidates that are going to get bought like a lot of these banks are still cheap on like uh, earnings basis even though they've run a lot uh they're still making good money so that you know it's it's a it's a decent it was and it was so horrible for for a while right these things are still beaten up still not you know like the market might be at a you know all-time high like the s&p is near an all-time high the Dow is near an all-time high, but these bank stocks, a lot of them are not, you know, still. So that's what people look at. They're like, hmm, maybe things can, and it's a good point that Eric makes. Like, even if we have a big sell-off in a lot of these tech stocks, but if there's a rotation into these bank stocks and energy stocks and, and stuff that's gotten beaten up, that's actually pretty healthy for the stock market. It's not like a crash in the sense that everything is going down. It's just like certain things are going down. Like yesterday was a good example. Like the NASDAQ, right, which which controls a lot of the tech stocks, that thing was down, you know, two and a half to almost 3%, which is a pretty big move. But right before the end of the, the, the close yesterday was weak as well. You know, stock's been, the last few days, the hour, we call it the witching hour, from <laughs> 3 to 4 p.m., you know, at the, the close is 4 p.m. Eastern time. Um, it's been pretty weak. And right before, like, 3 o'clock, I looked down at the screen, and uh, 
tech stocks were getting pretty walloped and the Dow Jones was actually up just a little, but it was up and tech stocks were getting murdered, you know? And so that's, that tells me there's a big rotation still going on. And I think it's not just the, the guys you read about on Reddit, right. That are playing in this market. There's big, big institutional money and they seem to get, be getting a little tired of these tech stocks. Right. Sorry to interrupt, but a couple just a quick note uh, that'll get the Reddit guys going. Melvin Capital, that was those are the guys. Remember that's that's Gabe, Gabe Plotnick. That those are the guys that they they went after. Um, he was short GameStop. They're not going to be happy because he's up twenty two percent. He was up twenty two percent for February. So not bad. Melvin exactly. Capital's coming back. However, just to give you an idea, he lost so they got their ass beat so much in January. He's going to have to earn. He's going to have to go up another seventy five percent. <laughs> he can start before he can start getting earning fees again. Uh, he's got money. a chip at a chair, right? That's what they yeah. say. He's got a chip at a chair. Yeah. So, uh, just a note on that. Oh, and and also, just so you know that, I, and I think this show has had something to do with it. Robinhood is considering considering removing the confetti from the app. You may no longer have confetti flying around on your app if you buy something on so. Just so you know that they're they're cleaning up their act. Are you suggesting that the monkey business show has the power to shame Robin Hood? I, I think so. I think, so. <laughs> I think it's and and to to add to that, isn't this the generation? I, I don't know. Do they? I know for a while there there were things when kids were playing like little league and soccer and stuff like that. The participation trophy, right? That was a big one, right? Not right. not not for winning. But just for participating, you got a trophy, which was a little different in my generation, my and Eric's generation, where if you didn't win, you came in last. Right? That was like a <laughs> nice thing, right? Here's the deal. I'm the best there is, plain and simple. I mean, I wake up in the morning, I piss excellence, and nobody can hang with my stuff. Right. If you're if you're second, that's the first loser. See you when you're growing up. So, so different. So, this could really turn off a lot of the Robin Hood investors if their confetti is not coming, because because they're like, wait, I'm participating here. I'm used to like getting a trophy. Like, where's my confetti? Now, to go one step further, if I, you know, and this is for a later show, maybe you guys can interview me for the for the job that that Robin Hood is hiring financial advisors. If I was in charge of the of the app. I would um, have like a list of of stocks we recommend for our customers to be good. And I would not give up the confetti if they bought a stock off my list. Right. That I liked the confetti flies, maybe a balloon, too. Yeah. But if they buy a stock that's not on the list, <laughs> then they get like a <laughs> or like a big dump falling down from a toilet bowl or something. Okay. Or the app cra- or the app just crashes like it normally does. Danger. Danger. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit to the weed talk, which we promised uh, we are going to be talking to right now. We're going to welcome him into the show, Zach Pace. He's a, a U.S. Marine and also the owner of OTA on the Arm. It's a company that is trying to use. I'm going to say a lot of words, and then, Zach, I'm going to ask you to explain what I just said. They use distributed ledger technology to facilitate the supply chain of cannabis companies so they can reduce the frictions caused by a cash-based economy. What did I just say? 
I don't know. I didn't get the notes. You guys got to prep me for this stuff. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. So I just want to say, love the show. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, man. Hey, welcome. welcome. And, you know, if you ever get any info on that initial bread offering, I'm all in. Oh. Uh, even though you made fun of Eric. I still think he's selling quarters for nickels, so I'm. I'm, 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 I'm. I, I think you you really just got Eric fired up, but <laughs> I got to inject some energy. Uh, so yeah, so so OTA uh, technology. So it's a company that we've been working on for a little bit of time now, and effectively, what we're doing is we're trying to solve the problem of cash in the cannabis business. Um, now, cash in and of itself isn't necessarily a problem per se, but for businesses, especially in the size and the volume that these guys are doing now when it's legal in, you know, fully legal in California, Colorado, et cetera, uh, these guys are doing big business. The numbers are, are just enormous in terms of like we're talking millions of dollars a week in sort of and that's at the wholesale level coming through. So when you're talking about that size of, of, of business that's coming through, you really need the banking system and the features of the banking system to facilitate that business. Unfortunately, because it's illegal in a class one substance on the federal level, um, banks are extremely reluctant to even mention like the fact that I'm on a show about cannabis. I'll probably never get another banking job. Right. Like that's <laughs> kind of the stigma attached to it, um, which is fine. But uh, so effectively, what we're trying to do is we're trying to solve that problem of, you know, cash. It's heavy. People get robbed for it. Uh, it's highly counterfeited. Um, there's a whole bunch of issues with it. What our solution does is it uses uh, distributed ledger technology in the form of a utility token to help facilitate supply chain finance, which is to say supply chain finance. Well, what does that mean? Well, supply chain finance is, let's say you're Walmart and you want to buy a Monopoly game. Well, you buy it from, let's say it's Hasbro. I'm not sure who makes Monopoly, but I think it's Hasbro. Uh, So you buy the game from them, but you don't pay them right away, right? You buy it and you say, all right, well, I'm going to put it in my shelves and I'm going to sell it to customers. And then in 90 days forward... I will then remit you the invoice. Like I'll give you the money for the game. So that's great for Walmart. Now they get that inventory for 90 days. They can sell it, make the profit, carry the float, then sell, the, then give the money back to Hasbro. But if you're Hasbro, you have expenses that happen, right? You have to pay for the factory. You have to pay for the worker, the insurance, the utility, the raw materials that go into the game, so on and so forth. So where does Hasbro get that money, right? Well, they can raise money through you know, the, the, the stock market, right? Or they can get a loan or they can put their own capital in, whatever the case is. But um, it's expensive for them to get the capital to run their business. Um, they can get all kinds of different credit. Well, if you look in the cannabis business, they can't even get that credit. There's the Walmarts of the cannabis world can't even get that credit. Right. Everything is, is cash on delivery. Uh, and so effectively what our, our solution does is it allows you to make collateralized trades where Instead of being, you know, so distributed ledger technology right now solves the Walmart Hasbro problem by telling Hasbro, we'll give you the cash right away and we'll use that accounts receivable as collateral. So we'll give you the cash. We'll give you some margin on that. Um, And so Hasbro will get their money much quicker uh, and much less expensively than if they were going to have a business loan. We invert that solution for the cannabis space. So in cannabis, everything's cash on delivery that day. What we're doing is we're using utility tokens to extend that payment 30, 60, 90 days forward, where you pay 30% down, uh, you get your supply, right, your your inventory to sell. And then in 30 or 60 or 90 days later, you can then finish making the payment. That gives you time to put the inventory on your shelves, make the sale, collect your money, pay your employees, and then go and pay back. So where does that money come from? Well, it comes from uh, all of the people within the ecosystem that buy the utility tokens that cash sits sort of within the ecosystem 
and that's what's used to sort of finance the the, the supply chain. Just to just um, to, to back it up real quick, um, a utility token uh, does that is that basically like an IOU? Yeah, well, it's not it's not like an IOU. It's uh, so when you're talking about blockchain, which is a type of distributed ledger technology, that get into cryptocurrency. So there's security tokens and there's utility tokens. A security token is Bitcoin, right? It's a it's effectively a type of currency. It can be exchanged at any point in time for cash, like almost immediately, right? A utility token is more. I'm going to date myself here, but it's it's more like Chuck E. Cheese. Um, so when you go to Chuck E. Cheese, right, you give your money, you give them twenty bucks, and they give you fifty tokens. And there's these cool little coins. They sort of look brass like. You uh, they don't do it now. It's electronic, but you used to be able to put the coins into the machines. You could go into the fun house. You could use that. Uh, you could buy a piece of pizza with it. Uh, but as soon as you left Chuck E. Cheese, that coin was worthless. Right. So for, I guess for your younger audience, this would be more like Robux, right? <laughs> from from Roblox currency, right? It works within the ecosystem, but you pull it out, it doesn't work anywhere else. So utility token, what's great about a utility token is it's still a store of value. It still lets you exchange goods for, and services for value. Um, but it, it because it's not a security or it's not, a, it's not necessarily a currency, it's no longer regulated by the SEC. Right. So it, it no longer falls under that extra layer of scrutiny. Um, and it's not it's not a currency. So it, it avoids a whole bunch of the banking issues that that occur as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's interesting, Zach. So what you described at the beginning there was with the, the whole Hasbro thing was, um, you know, if you remember in 2008, just to, that the reason why the economy just completely had a heart attack, if you will, is because that what Zach described, that whole supply chain and the fact that no one really has Hasbro isn't getting their money, um, but in turn, from let's say from the from the store, but Hasbro has uh, lines of credit. They've got revolving lines of credit with their with with their bank, so they draw down on those. They pay their suppliers, then everything works out, and that's that's the the functioning uh, financial system when it's and it, when when you have a, an event like we had in 08, where no one trusts anybody and every bank is hoarding cash. That's what causes the economy to just collapse. Um, and so with Zach's talk, yeah, it's like you're kind of almost in that position with with cannabis now. So, I mean, I think it's brilliant. It's it's introducing what I would say a, a normal, mature financial system to that to that industry that is growing. Uh, I mean, certainly is it is it a multi it's a multi billion dollar industry at this point, right? So um, I, I think it's really a, it, it's really important, and it's um, and it also. Uh, Will help us get uh, edibles faster, which I, <laughs> which you could certainly need being in Texas right now. But um, so I don't, I don't know much. I've only been to a dispensary once, and I don't even remember how I paid. Are you able to even pay with a credit card at this point? I personally, you know, I have young children. I don't use marijuana in any way, shape, or form. I'm not condoning its use. I'm just part of the uh, the finance solution, if you will. But in you know, from what I've heard from people that I know, uh, when you do go to a dispensary, uh, it's all cash. Um, there are some people who are trying to introduce like a prepaid card that that you know, and there are some dispensaries that sort of let you go through with it, and they try to disguise it. You know, uh, they'll call it something else that, you know, they'll try to sort of mask it and, and go through it. But that's one, it's very, it doesn't happen very often and it's very on the fringe. And if they get caught, it's big trouble, right? Um, there are some places that are trying to, particularly in Colorado, um, there's, you know, a credit union that's working very hard to be sort of the banker um, for that industry. And so they have 
a ton of know your customer and they, they study all the transactions. And so they're trying to be that facilitator, but that's locally within, within only within Colorado. So if you're someone from out of state and you go to Colorado and you go to a dispensary, you better go in with cash. Like you're not going to use your MasterCard or Visa and be able to just swipe and, and purchase it. Mm-hmm. So Zach, um, pretty interesting stuff. Now, I always like to look at the risk side of things. So is the risk of your company, people stop buying from the dispensaries and therefore they don't have the cash and you fronted the cash to Hasbro or whoever that is, and then they, they can't pay and then you're on the hook? Is that, is that, a big, is that the big risk for your business? Yeah, so, so OTA provides the ecosystem and the funding capital. Um, to basically inject that liquidity and credit into the ecosystem. Uh, and there is risk to sort of not getting paid back. So within the ecosystem itself, there's a transaction fee, right, which is pretty standard. There's a guarantee fee similar to sort of the, you know, the mortgage market in which every transaction, depending on the size and the credit scores of the people involved, um, will have to have a certain amount percentage that sort of guarantees the trade. And the idea is if you have 100 uh, people transacting and only have one or two bad actors, that small fee will sort of be the insurance that covers the rest. That being said, there is a risk that sort of everyone just says, nope, we're not paying, and it blows up. Um, the outside pool of capital that comes in, what's actually pretty interesting is there's more people than you would imagine wanting to invest in cannabis in any way, shape, or form. And, and honestly, they're not even – if you just put cannabis on the name, they'll throw the money at it. You don't even need a deck at this point. People are so excited about the idea because they can see the potential. But with that comes the fact that, you know, I've never asked anybody to provide money because I want them to be fully aware this could go to zero very quickly. Um, you have to understand the risks in the marketplace. And these are people who look at the, the rules could change and their businesses could blow up in a second. And like, you might not get your money back. Right. So it's definitely a credit product. There is definitely risk to the pool of capital, but that pool of capital is an outside investment from the technology that we've built to provide, you know, the working ecosystem. Right. So what, um, I mean, what do you think? Like, it seems to me that the, um, it's going to take quite a while for, for the banking system to actually, the federal banking system, credit unions to be allowed to, uh, it seems like we're a long way off. Now, what if, now, what we see in the cannabis industry, or what I know watching, um, you know, I watched this, uh, this do- the documentary on Netflix called Murder Mountain. And it was about, it was about Humboldt County and about the growth in the industry and how it, how it all changed. Um, now, what the, it's almost as though now they've legalized that the, the people that have traditionally been the growers and the, they're, they're getting killed. Um, and sometimes literally. Uh, but the, the big guys are coming in. Now, if you get like some of the big tobacco, the big, you know, big booze companies, you know, that come in to the, and start taking over the business or a decent amount of it, could they, with their money, um, essentially influence enough congressmen to say, all right, let's le- let's legalize this on, on the federal level? Um, and that in turn could now you've got the, the banking system could start handling the, uh, you know, handling it. Now, I don't think that's going to happen for three, four or five years. Um but that's one potential issue, right? Is that that we could eventually have a you know it, it goes from a cash system to a you know, regular credit system. Yeah, and and look, I think that's the long term trajectory. I, I mm-hmm. think you know the momentum behind this. You know, New Jersey just legalized it, right? You have you know respected uh, politicians. If, uh, that's maybe an oxymoron, but uh, <laughs> you know. 
saying how they really think, you know, they want to legalize it, you know, for recreational use and so on and so forth. So that's the trend. It's definitely going that way. I do agree. Three to four years might be a little quick. I think definitely within, you know, five to eight years is probably the window. Um, that being said, I think that the banks, so, so one, it'll open up the banking system. There will be some banks that adjust, but I think banks by nature are super conservative. And I think that they'll be a little bit reluctant to dip their toes in, um, in addition, I don't know that they're really set up to understand the business as well as they should because there's a lot of uh, idiosyncratic aspects to the cannabis business because these guys have sort of lived off the grid. for so, so first of all, anybody who's good at cannabis now and understands how it grows and gets distributed has been doing it for a while, and it hasn't been legal that long, right? So you can put two and two together in that, in that regard. So it's a very tight-knit community, and I think the expertise in that community is – Extremely high. I know that you've got, uh, uh, you know, a biologist or a plant chemist in your family. It's really high science, right? So this stuff is like pretty sophisticated. Um, I don't know that the banks will know the business quick enough. And I think what will happen is once it does get legal, I think all these non-bank fintechs, which are already taking a bite out of the banking business right now, will be the first movers in that space. I think they'll come in. They will be the ones that can adjust to that market and provide mm -hmm. services quickly. In addition, you know, these guys who have been in the business for quite some time, they've been sort of told no continuously by banks. So like, they're not really like, Oh, thank you. Now you're going to do business with me. Like if there's anybody else to provide services of that nature, you know, they're probably going to tell the big banks to go pound sand and they'd be yeah. much more likely to, to deal with. I think, uh, what this all tells me is you sold yourself short there, Zach, in the beginning of the, the uh, <laughs> talk by not, never uh, being an employee of a bank again or a financial institution. <laughs> because yeah. um, I could see where if they're so behind the curve and you have this expertise, uh, some even a big bank might come in and be like, OK, that's ours. Thanks, Zach. Here's your money. Uh, you, you'll work for two years running this and then you'll go work uh on your own island or something, if you want. Yeah, I see the huge potential for you guys. I mean, really, I think, yeah, it, 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 and it probably will be. And you said three to four years is probably too quick. But you guys get this going. Yeah, you, you've got the infrastructure, right? You've got all the know-how. You've got the, I mean, they'll just, I mean, so, like I said, someone will, you, you'll work, you'll have to work for two years, and then you can go off on your island and, you know, maybe uh, – Maybe by you the guys have just articulated my business plan. Thank you. <laughs> We're alerting people to your business. Plan. <laughs> so we got to watch out for OTA and, and Zach in the future for sure. So, I mean, how, how does this become uh, mainstream? Is it one of those things where you're really planting seeds right now and, and working through it? What's the, what's the next step to really gain traction? Yeah, so so the the traction part has been extremely difficult. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat that in any way. Um, it's part of it is the education process because what you have is you have people who are building growing businesses, which is to say cannabis, and they are experts in their field, which is growing, cultivating, distributing. Um, so so they are excellent business people in their space. They have a lot of issues to deal with, like compliance, regulatory, police issues, all that sort of thing. Um, you know, and, and they are all the things that come with a startup business they're dealing with. And then I come in and I say, hey, why don't you use a utility token on distributed ledger technology to solve all your supply chain finance needs? And they look <laughs> at me like I've got seven heads. Right. So, you know, the Chuck E. Cheese example helps. The, the Hasbro Monopoly game example helps to sort of conceptualize what it is that we do and how it can help them. 
effectively what it does is it, it lets them not have to borrow a lot of money expensively, right? It lets them let their own, as their community builds, they're basically funding themselves in some regard, right? Um, but how that works. So when you see the app and it works, you know, it downloads on a phone, it's really slick and all that, like it's, it starts to click, but effectively it's a, you're educating one person at a time. There's not a forum like, you know, and especially in the time of COVID. So we started to get quite a bit of traction, COVID hit and we got stopped dead in our tracks because I'm in New Jersey. Everybody I need to talk to is in California or Colorado and I haven't been able to get there. Right. So like all of those relationships, you know, you can still talk on the phone, you can still do zoom calls and things, but it's not the same. You need to be in a room and you need to be talking to these, you know, people individually, let them ask questions because you need to see their face where they're like, wait, what's the difference between a utility token and a security token? I don't get that. And then you got to like explain it again. And that's fine. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a new concept that not a ton of people are very familiar with. They sort of shorthand it and they call it Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, right? But like distributed ledger technology has so many different uses outside of both cannabis or crypto, right? Like it can solve so many different problems, um, but people need to get comfortable with the concept. So to answer your question, sorry, that was a little windy. But uh, it's just an educational process. You, you need to do it bit by bit. You need to start going to the influential people in the community, um, have it work you know, successfully. And they can say, oh, well, look at how our business exploded when we switched to this because we could now we, it's basically it's a form of injecting leverage into the system. And for guys who are all cash, there's no leverage. So now we give them leverage. Now you can grow faster. It seems like it would only take one, like one person to form some kind of like institution and, and, and make sure that it. It works, right? So somebody that's got a lot of money that can afford to lose whatever it takes and just proof of performance, right? So then it's one and then it's everywhere. Yeah, it sounds like we should hook you up with them because I thought last week was very interesting at the end of, well, I think Kevin's entire interview was, was great. But you remember at the end, he started talking about how you, you don't get any money on your savings right now. You put it in a bank and nothing but you can actually go to a, a platform and lend your Bitcoin out. You can lend your Bitcoin and, and like 8% and the, the, the exchange takes 2% and you get, and so you get 6%. It's that kind of thinking that, um, you know, that, that that's the next level. It's not really there yet, but it's coming. And um, we should have you talk to Kevin because I bet the two of you guys could really start putting things, putting things together. Not that you're in crypto, but you're, it's the same, you know, it, it, it's that market that needs to happen. It's going to happen you know, how do you, how do you get it going? Yeah, I thought he was great. His decentralized finance was like mm -hmm. spot on. I mean, I think that's really where it is, you know, in terms of where, where that community is going to go, the proof of concept is going to happen with a vertically integrated cannabis company. So, so right now in the cannabis space, people were specializing, they were growers or they were distributors or they were, you know, had dispensaries, but basically you want to get a vertical, you want to own the whole process soup to nuts, but each component of that vertical is its own small business and they all have a parent company. So effectively what you do is you introduce OTA to that parent company. And now the companies can interact amongst themselves at a higher rate with more leverage that they still account for everything at the end of the day. You know, you have your one year true ups where you take your cash out, but effectively it allows you to handle all your compliance, your accounting, your regulatory, um, but you get to keep real count of who's doing what with who. And so you can allocate costs appropriately, um, which I think is hugely important. You can understand your margins, understand your business case better. And what's great about distributed ledger technology is because there's a record of all the transactions and it collects metadata along the way, you can start to use, um, for example, deep learning, machine learning on all of these uh, transactions. And now you can start to understand your business better. The interactions between 
a wholesaler and a farmer and the dispensary. And all of a sudden, relationships that maybe a human wouldn't pick up, your machines can start to pick up. I want to merge this conversation, if it's all right, into Richie's picks in general um, and, and, and hang out, Zach, because I think that there's only room to grow for marijuana stocks, right? Because it's it's newly legalized in a, in a lots of places. Uh, obviously, some businesses are not going to make it. They're going to lose. That's just the nature of what it is. But for companies that are well-established and in a good position to take advantage of new laws and things like that, Look, I mean, the demand's there. People are going to smoke. They're going to take edibles. They're going to do all this stuff. What are some of uh, some stocks and companies that are well positioned to benefit from new legislation? Well, Zach, uh, you were saying that Tilray is a big one. Before we get on, um, that seems to be the one that shows up a lot. Till T L R Y, right? Is the ticker? Uh, yeah, is so that Tilray, the- you get the double barrel. You get the Reddit, Wall Street bets crowd. And you get the fact that it's one of the more well-known. It just it just merged with uh, Afria, uh, APHA. Um, so I think that one has a lot of upside um, from there. The, the other way to play, so I think playing pure cannabis might be a little premature, right? I think what you should think about doing is all of the distributed ledger payment systems, I think is where you'll get your bang for your buck real soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a couple of the things that I would look at sort of, you know, taking these technologies and making money off of them. I mean, I'd be looking at like a PayPal and a Visa. I think those are the obvious ones. They're involved in Bitcoin, payment processing, distributed ledger technology across the board. But where I think, you know, if I was going to put my money down on that space, this is going to be a little left field. Take a look at Walmart. They're hiring all these Goldman Sachs executives. They're basically taking it. They're, they're going to take all these little fintech ideas, these non-bank fintechs, to do banking services, and they're going to merge them onto their huge economy already. They don't need the banks. Now, I used Walmart in my example at the beginning with Hasbro, but like now they don't need anybody to do it. They can, they can supply all of that, um, that, that internal finance themselves, and I think that's just going to be a, a huge grower for them. So that's how I would play that space. Amazon's been trying to get into that too, right? Amazon's trying to get into the same, you know, they're, they're yeah, these giants, these giants, giants are now, we have our own financial ecosystem. Like we don't, we don't necessarily need the traditional banking. Yeah. I was, uh, that, that was big news uh, this earlier this week, right? Is that when you saw the announcement late last week at Goldman, some key Goldman bankers and think about it. Like those are the consumer guys that Goldman brought in to try to build out their bit. They, they, they want to get into, you know, the consumer business and boom, Walmart just came in and, Said, you know what? How about not? <laughs> now, I think also, yeah, like payment systems like Stripe. I mean, you start thinking about all the different ones that, that are out there, and I think Stripe's. Because I think Stripe is Amazon, right? I think that's who. Uh, yeah. So there's this whole, you know, um, uh, layer out there of companies that, when you start digging into this, you find out who the big guy, you know, and and those who who, who handle uh, you know the, the payments, um, the electronic payment system. Um, and I like what you're saying about uh, deep learning AI too, because that's also getting getting deep getting into it as well. So uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I would say, irrespective of the cannabis space, the payment processors. I think once it becomes common knowledge that not only are you a payment processor, but you're a data collector, and all of a sudden you're like, hey, the guy who buys Dove soap also likes uh, Under Armour T-shirts and this brand Gillette deodorant or whatever. Like. Once you can start to find those connections through the payments, like, I mean, the sky's the limit. Think about the targeting advertisements. Think about the way you can price, you know, you can give everybody the exact highest price they'd be willing to pay based on their demand. 
Mm-hmm. What are we looking at, Richie, for picks this week? I saw today, my sources tell me, um, the U.K. passed, I believe, just like in the last few hours, which I thought was amazing that they can do it this long, but the United Kingdom created a five-year capital gains tax uh, today that, that lasts for five years, so it will not change. And it was relatively low. So I guess that's has to do with their Brexit situation. And uh, they want to get out of this rut that they've been in because the Brexit thing took so long to figure out. And now they're there. So what that's going to do is probably have people invest in, you know, retail investors, institutional investors in London and England are going to want to play in that space. You know, because they're not they know now that their taxes are not going to be raised if they trade stocks and bonds. Um, So there's a ticker, an ETF, which is EWU, Edward William Uncle. That follows the UK uh, markets. And uh, I like that one. And then there's another one um, where I normally don't like to do this kind of thing. But we're talking about the banks and all this stuff. There's a bank called uh, Associated, and its ticker is A is an apple, S is in Sam, B is in boy, and it keeps showing up. It's a regional bank in Wisconsin, which worth the market cap's worth about three billion dollars, and they make a lot of money. And uh, you know, nice little cozy bank, uh, neighborhood bank, people know them, but they keep popping up on merger, like. Um, they're on the merger lists of a lot of a lot of uh, these analysts. Like they may be one of the big ones to get taken over. So I like the the way it's been priced. It's around twenty one now. So ASB. And then on the short side, um, nothing this week, but that's okay because if you've been following the show the last few weeks, we're we're, uh, <laughs> we're fucking killing it. Your shorts and, are uh, looking good, right? That's another technical term, uh, <laughs> right? Like like. Uh, Tesla last week, right? I'm not afraid of that shit. Like, yeah, it, it's it's not it's not a horrible company. I'm not saying it's a horrible company, but it trades at a 1200p today and a 175p in the future. Go, you know, General Motors and, and Ford and and Volkswagen and all these other car companies who keep coming out, by the way, every day saying we're going to be all electric by 2030, which probably won't happen, but that's what they're saying, right? So, like, that's competition for Tesla. And all those guys trade at, you know, and remember for the viewers, like, a lower PE, not negative, but a lower PE is very good for stocks. Like, General Motors and Ford trade at, like, a 10 PE. You know, like, Tesla's 175, 1,200 right now. So I'm not saying it's going out of business, but I'm saying it could happen, and what's happened in the last few days could keep on going. So I'm keeping that short on. Yeah. And I'm still short the NASDAQ. The QQQ is the ticker. That's a very liquid instrument. And I'm going to keep it there. Like, I'm not taking profits just because I believe in this rotation thing. And if you notice, one of my picks to buy was a bank today, right? And in the past, it's been energy and some of the builders, like URI, United Rentals, URI. I'm still in it. Don't forget our darling. Don't forget our darling, Boyd Gaming. Boyd Gaming. <laughs> I didn't know that was our darling. That's our darling? Oh, my God. It's D-Y-D. A rocket, it's a rocket ship to heaven. 
wow. BYD. Beautiful company. Beautiful. As a matter of fact, yeah, you as are. a matter of fact, I must go out to Nevada mm-hmm. uh, next week. Uh, not next week, the week after. To keep uh, to do some business, and I will certainly uh, stop by my, one of my favorite places, Sam's Town, which is a casino owned by the Boyd Corporation, BYD, and uh, I will play large amounts of money. And if I win, I will be happy. If I lose, I will not be terribly distraught because I will inform them that I am still a small owner of their company, and I'm happy for their top line. <laughs> but I, I will ask for a free bowling game, a free movie ticket, which is all at Sam's Town, by the way, and maybe free delivery from McDonald's, which wow, they also have. Wow, 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 wow. And maybe if I'm really lucky, if I'm really lucky and I'm really pushing it, I'll ask for the suite where they have the buffalo mount coming out of the out of the wall and the horns, like Eric's horns on his hat, the horns is a nice suite where the big master bedroom I've been in it has a big horn mounted behind the bed. This is real Western stuff. <laughs> and mirrors on the and mirrors on the ceiling. Yes, mirrors on the ceiling. And and their their store like like if you go to the Bellagio, right? Their their high end stores are like Rolex, Versace, Gucci, Samstown, the Western store. Woo! So if you need a bolero tie. One of those leather jackets with the tassels and the finest cowboy boots that are made, that is your place. Now, do you go spurs or no spurs on the cowboy boots? No spurs, boots? no spurs. No spurs? But if I had a horse, I might. Do you chaps? Get assless chaps, chaps of chaps, course. Yeah. Assless chaps, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> those are good. I could definitely see you rolling through the casino in some assless chaps. Yeah, and, and, of course, the nice 10-gallon hat. No doubt. Yeah, I have a tough time uh, concentrating uh, when anybody's talking to me and they're wearing a cowboy hat because all I can think about <laughs> is, like, what's going on? What's the story with the hat? Like, that's all I can think about. Um, but, uh, Zach, thanks so much for joining us, man. Do you have any picks that you're looking at? My, my, my pick history is not nearly as good as Richie's. Uh, I've been following him since way back in the day on the horses, too. I miss the horse picks. Those are the ones that I'm really looking for. You're going to have to do a... We're getting it back. We're getting it back. All right. <laughs> we have to pay somebody. We have to pay somebody 2500 bucks to get the website back. <laughs> Ransom. Ransom. But I'll, I'll play along just so you can see how I've done. My uh, my purchase today was I bought uh, U.S. Steel. I bought X this morning at about 18. Ah. So I think uh, if there's an infrastructure bill, I think that's going to be one that, uh, you know, Maybe the Wall Street uh, bets crowd will 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 talk that one up uh, beforehand. But uh, either way, I think they're going to be they're going to be okay for for twenty twenty one. All right, Eric. Any anything to to look at? You know, I've been um, what I do is I try to buy, and I know it's boring, but I, I I try to buy a little bit of a little bit of Microsoft every every month. I try to buy just a few just a few shares and add it up. It's gotten hit. I still that's like my long term. You know. Um, you know, play. I just like to have that in in my portfolio. Um, so I just actually bought a little this morning at two twenty six. Uh, I, I know that's boring. Um, I'm sticking with the banks. Uh, you know, the P- PNC has just done remarkably well. I I, I want to keep that one too because I think that's the best in class. Um, so I'm not going to trade it. I think the Prosperity Bank. You know, I think we bought that in like sixty eight. Right now it's around seventy five. Um, Probably going to unload that one soon. I think perhaps banking has gotten a little overdone. 
Um, so I'm probably going to lighten up a little on that. Um, yeah, other than that, uh, you know, I continue to uh, add that mortgage read I told you about, AGNC. Um, continue to add that every time. But every time it drops a little bit, I add, um, you know, and great, great stock, best in class, um, good dividend. Uh, so I continue to add there too. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I and then the, the one stock that did unbelievably well, A, 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 ASLM. Um, that was, remember Mauricio's stock? The, um, the, the, the Dutch company that uh, makes a, they, they make a certain chip that is just, you know, they kind of have a monopoly on it. And we bought that guy at, I think, 497 and it got as high as 600 Wow. And now it's getting beat up. It's getting beat up with all the techs. Um, I think I'm going to buy a little more of that, too. It's uh, trading around um, 545 right now. Um, so I may take a little shot at that, too, because uh, I like companies that have those big moats around them and are very hard to, uh, you know, um, big barriers for entry. And um, I believe in Mauricio. And uh, so I'm going to try add a little on that. I think we're about due for an update on the old school versus new school uh, competition between him and Richie. But um, I, this may be, this is probably a, a longer conversation that we'll have for a different show. But just to wrap up, it does seem that, like in general, the market is trickling down lately. What are some of the signs that you can look for that the dip is kind of easing up and maybe it'll start climbing? I think uh, one thing to continue to look at as we started the show with is uh, keep an eye on, even though you're not probably the three of us, Eric, Zach, and I are well-versed in the bond markets, but um, people generally don't look at that so much. They look at stocks because it's not easy, not necessarily easy to find, but you can find it now on all the big uh, financial websites. Just watch that 10-year treasury. Like if it, if it starts stabilizing, yeah, I think then we'll then we'll take another good leg up. If it continues to go higher, the yields, you're gonna have the same thing. Like the tech stocks are gonna go down, and eventually, you know, you got to watch on the on that. If it keeps going, like if we're talking like the ten year note at one hundred at one and a half percent, and it drop, you know, it goes up to two two and a quarter somehow, then I think everything might be going down. You know, everything could go down. But if it's if it's going in a range between one and a half and two percent, which a lot of people are saying is likely, you'll get continued pressure on the the big tech growth stocks. And what Eric was saying about ASML, I agree. Um, I may be bearish on the tech sector, but not all of it. I think the chip stocks are okay. Like they're, they're they're don't they're right now going down because they say tech. But eventually people will weed out, you know, what's good and what's bad in the tech world. But that's that's a key thing, I think, these days, because everybody's talking about it. Right. So that now all of a sudden the 10 year treasury is like a huge thing for everybody to see. So if you follow that and and if the yields come down, they start really going lower, then it's going to be off to the races again in the stock market. All right. So we'll be on the lookout for that. For now, I got to go get a shot in the arm, fellas. Going to get my first uh, vaccination today. So wish me luck. And uh, Zach, thanks so much for joining us. How can people find out more information about OTA? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, you guys can send me an email. I can uh, I can send that information off to Eric, and I don't know if you guys uh, want to post it after the fact, or, but I can send an email where you can uh, get some info. We've got some white papers we can send out to you. We've got some decks. Um, you know, anybody who's interested, we're happy to share. I think it's interesting and, and, and want to bring people to the community. All right, we'll put the email in the show notes if you want to get in contact with Zach. 
This has been the Monkey Business Show. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>